This week, Apple's wall is coming down. Robot Cash is growing up. Threads is confusing everyone. And Reddit is protecting users again. It's Sunday, July 9th, 2023. And this is episode 650 of F5 Live, Refreshing Technology, a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be on uh, social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, or threads, through our live streaming services, livestream.com, Twitch, our new friends at Kick, or YouTube, where you can join the community and get ad-free episodes of F5 Live and Pilchpoint, or on our website, plughitslive.com. Thank you for making us a part of your day. There are two ways that you can do that. The first is Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. You can go to f5live.tv slash join us. There you can chat with us in the studio. Give us your feedback on the topics as we talk about them. If you're not able to do that, that's okay. Plughitslive.com slash subscribe. Uh, there you'll see all of our shows, including F5 Live, Pilch Point, Plug Hits Live Presents, and a whole lot more. And of course, you'll find all the ways to watch, listen, and follow along. All right. It's been too long, Avram. We've been off yep. for way too long, and it's great to be back. I've missed you. Yes. Yes, same. Oh, yes. It has been a long time, and uh, I'm at the beginning of a very long week, but mm-hmm. I'm uh, but I'm uh, so glad to be here. I, I have... Uh, I don't want to talk too much about it, but I have prime day uh, duty this week which is that time of year when i have to stay up for several days in a row and so i can make sure that we put up lots of deal coverage on our website because that's the thing so i've been trying to come up with my prime day 2023 spotify playlist so okay if anyone had i have like 50 things on here that are songs that have some relationship to to writing about to having to deal with prime day uh i mean if you're a consumer it's the fine you don't have to deal with prime day you could just you know find deals that you like and and save some money which is great i don't i think that's wonderful uh but uh part of uh our job is to help bring you that advice which means advice on which deals to find which is great please visit us at tomshardware.com for that uh but it it means some some work uh so you know uh i've uh you know put some songs on my list like uh up all night uh no sleep till brooklyn uh taking care of business sure uh Delivering the goods, uh, pressure, cruel summer, working day and night, uh, heat of the moment. Anyway, okay. So, (laughs) (laughs) some i uh, some ideas on there. Uh, oh, I love it. Oh, burning for you. Um, 
so uh, fall into pieces. Um, so anyway, yeah. <laughs> so that's uh, that's what's going to be going on the next the next couple of days. Um, but uh, other than that, uh, things are fine. Good, uh, good. My son and I are working on working on building a video game. Uh, you know, build, building an alley, uh, a video game that we've been working on for a long time, and we get only a little time at a time to work on it. But it's yeah. on this like LED matrix, and like it looks like Mario, and you can like you can like move your Mario character around and jump using these buttons behind here. So you know. Uh, that's something we're working on. Hoping to have that for uh, a Maker Fair in in October. Nice. Um, and uh, you know, that's the that's the week. Uh, that's the last few weeks. I almost wore my Gulf Coast MakerCon shirt tonight, uh, so that would have been a good tie-in there. <laughs> I'll wear it when you get a uh, when you get far enough to show off the the progress yeah yeah i mean i have to have a couple of things not just this yeah. um i'm gonna have this and i think i'm gonna try to do something with gesture detection i'd really like to do where you can hold your hand in front of a camera and control something mm -hmm. like using it um so we'll uh we'll see Reminds me of the company we had on at CES that you could control the robotic arm using uh, your fingers in front of the camera. Yeah, that that would be cool. Having it control something, I think, would be cool. I want to have it so that it's done like with a Raspberry Pi or even a Pico, mm -hmm. and you can do you know, and then like maybe it sort of takes an LED matrix like this one and like puts an imprint of your hand or something to oh, show cool. where your fingers are, you know. But we'll see how far we get with that. But hopefully we'll get some more. Well, very cool. Over here, we've been uh, doing a lot of stuff. We, uh, we've done a bunch of unboxings. I'm looking down here because there is a stack of product related to those <laughs> unboxings. I've got, I've got a pet vacuum cleaner over here for grooming dogs and cats who knew you could keep a vacuum cleaner as a pet exactly uh, i mean if you have a if you have a roomba you can certainly feel a little bit like it's a pet uh, and then headphone headphones from our friends at altec lansing and uh, twinkly dots we're gonna have a whole bunch of products showing up <laughs> On our on our unboxed feed and our how-to feed, because a lot of these products we're going to be doing how-tos on as well. So definitely check those out if you're watching us over on YouTube. There's a playlist for both of them, so uh, check that out as well. And for uh, continual monster fans, we have a new monster product <laughs> unboxing and how-to coming as well. So, like I said, lots of stuff going on. This whole corner next to me is just stacked with nonsense so uh look look for all of that stuff but we've been gone for a while we've got a lot of stuff to get to tonight so let's get right down to it
This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live Refreshing Technology is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Whether you're looking for a new laptop, tablet, Xbox, games, or a whole lot more, you can get them at the Microsoft Store. Remember, current students, faculty, parents, and active military can save up to 10% off almost everything. To browse the products and learn more about the discounts, you can go to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. So we've talked a lot over the years, I suppose, about Apple's walled garden. Um, the company is very well known for keeping their stuff internal. Uh, everything is uh, designed, built, and controlled by Apple, and that includes the stuff that you're allowed to put on your own device. The concept is itself divisive. Some people love the idea that they don't have to worry about installing certain things, and it, it's all just this one streamlined process. Other people would like more control over what they can and cannot do with their devices. Um, and so, you know, there's a got to be a middle ground somewhere in there maybe um apple doesn't want to find a middle ground but we continue to see the european union force them into some sort of a middle ground uh, a couple of years ago there was an uh, an incident well a, a situation where they started to require all phone manufacturers to use micro usb apple said how about we include a micro USB adapter in the box? And the EU said, okay, I guess that will work. And so Apple continued to use the lightning connector. Uh, now that's going to change. The, uh, the iPhone 15 theoretically will be the first device with USB-C uh, in the iPhone category. We'll see, uh, what, in two months, uh, whether or not that's the case, but all of the all of the leaks, all of the renders appear to show USB-C, and that's because of the European Union. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we got word that uh, one of the scourges of modern technology, as far as Abram and I are concerned, sealed batteries or <laughs> um, sealed bodies on phones, tablets, laptops, things like that, could become a thing of the past because the European Union wants to require that uh, manufacturers allow you to change your own battery, to uh, at least have the ability to change your own battery. That would uh, really change the world. Apple made the sealed body popular uh, with manufacturers. It's never been popular with consumers, but popular with manufacturers. Uh, if anybody else had, had pulled a scam like that, the world would have erupted and uh, revolted. But now, we have something else happening. Again, coming out of the EU, um, there is some new legislation going on that will involve what they're calling um, gatekeepers. Uh, and gatekeepers will be required to follow different rules, different laws. Uh, and Apple has been confirmed to fall under the ruling of gatekeeper. And the end result of this could be Epic Games getting their way and allowing for third-party app stores on the iPhone and iPad. It's definitely an interesting move. 
We almost expected it to be the end result of the epic lawsuit here in the U.S. It wasn't. Um, the Biden administration did put out an executive order that didn't have any teeth and hasn't uh, uh, borne any fruit yet, um, looking into the idea of the walled garden, particularly of Apple. Um, but here the EU's like, no, gatekeeper, here's how it's going to work. So if this happens as it looks like it will, this is a massive massive change to the ecosystem of uh, iPhone and iPad. Not so much Mac because you can install software from outside the App Store on the Mac, but not on any of their other devices. And under certain circumstances, we could see this apply to other devices. Within the Apple ecosystem, Apple TV might come under this. Outside of the Apple ecosystem, things like Roku could come under this. Um, it's it's definitely an interesting situation um, that has the potential to really change the landscape of mobile, Abram, right? Yeah, I mean, hopefully, uh, I mean, hopefully they get somewhere with this. I'm sh- I, I bet you after all the lawsuits, I mean, they're going to make, Apple's going to make a point. Samsung is going to be also in agreement with this and probably every phone maker. They don't want to go back to having removable batteries. They don't want to make it easy for you. Uh, I mean, their argument, which a lot of a lot of people probably agree with, is, oh, you, we can make the phone thinner if, if you can't remove the battery. So you will be harming the quality of the phone experience by by having a spot to remove the battery. And I'm sure it probably does add like, you know, a centimeter or something to the phone. I was hoping Not, I was hoping I had one of my Nokia's around here. Cuz I've got a Lumia around here that's thinner than either of my current iPhones and it can change the battery. I mean, I don't think it's like a, you know, a, to me, it's not significant. We didn't really get a significant improvement in uh, in phone thinness or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get, but I, I, all the years, I've never quite under, that we've been talking about this, I've never quite understood the point of like, oh, my phone has to be razor thin and my laptop has to be razor thin. Like, it's an interesting parlor game. It's nice, mm-hmm. but like what you really care about, I think is that it doesn't weigh a lot and it fits sure. in your pocket. Like if it's a little bit thicker, like who cares? You know, like look at the, look at the iPhone 11 and the iPhone 12. And this is, this is going to be a problem for Apple if they want to make this argument. The iPhone 11 is thinner than the iPhone 12. It's going to be real hard for them to to argue about thickness. Well, because they'll they say that they've thicker. got a bigger camera or something. They have, without the, they have without to do the it camera now. bump, without the camera bump, the 11 is thinner than the right. 12. Maybe the CPU uses needs more heat dissipation. Yeah, I don't know. There's there's a lot of arguments that they could make, but I guess. The, the question is, will they hold water on that topic? 
you know, are they going to be able to argue it and well enough to to fight the EU that really, honestly, once they make their mind up, they've made their mind up. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, they might have a problem there. They but might for, have a problem there. For me, the thing that I find most interesting is the topic of um, the, what's it called? The app stores. That I find super interesting. Um, that they're actually interested in looking into the the app store issue and allowing for potentially allowing for um, uh, third parties and not just allowing for, but seemingly requiring. Yeah. I mean that, that that's one where they're also going to get fought tooth and nail, but I hope, I hope that they stick to their guns, you know? Yeah, um, because it, it's something that I want, even as a, as a, you know, as an Apple user. Granted, I've got you know devices all over the place, um, but as an iPhone user, I am legitimately interested in being able to, um, to use outside stores for a number of reasons, not the least of which is that. Um, the process of developing for Apple is a massive pain because of all of their hoops. If they could get rid of just right. the hoops for developers, it would make me happy. But it sounds like they're going to have to go a lot further than that. <laughs> and, you know, that'll make me happy too. It'd be nice to be able to have, you know, Epic Games or Microsoft have... uh you know, game stores that if you've purchased it on your Xbox, then you can play it on your mobile device or whatever, you know, my Microsoft's whole idea of buy it once, play everywhere, uh, you know, PC, Xbox, Windows phone at one point, um, you know, that would give them that ability again. Uh, and I, I would love to see them have that ability again. Yeah, I mean, it's very annoying that, like you said, to have to, to have to go through everything that you have to go through to just to sideload, right? So, yeah, like yeah, it would be much much easier. All all the stuff that that you know, one of your colleagues and I deal with is the fact that that Apple locks up. You've either got to have a, an enterprise account or use TestFlight to be able to distribute things privately. But TestFlight times out after 90 days. You're like, all right, well, maybe somebody else will make private distribution a possibility. And we just move on with our day and everything's good. We don't have to fight all of the weird mechanics of Apple anymore. It would be wonderful. So, you know, personally... I'm excited about this possibility. I know there are people, particularly, you know, Mac-heavy people who might fight this. 
um, even though it wouldn't have any impact on them, <laughs> unless you want it to, um, might still fight this. But um, I think from a consumer standpoint, this would be the most consumer-friendly um, situation across the board. USB-C, more consumer-friendly. Replaceable battery, more consumer-friendly. Um, uh, Third-party app stores or side-loading, however it you know, ends up working, more consumer-friendly. Uh, so you don't have to use any of the features, <laughs> but for, for those who would like to, it would be nice to be able to because you spend a lot of money on one of these devices and Apple still pretends like they own it, not you. And for me, that's the thing that annoys me the most. Yeah, it's extremely annoying. And they, they seem to think that, that, you know, it's their, you know, they built the device and that just gives them unlimited, um, you know, unlimited right to do what they to control it. Unlimited power. Unlimited power. <laughs> yeah, so. Apple. You're not he man. Uh, you're you're Apple, and it's my phone, not yours. So, uh, we'll see. Um, the the battery thing is, I think, further along than the uh, gatekeeper processing. But we will definitely see uh, how this goes with time. This week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered by PureVPN. The best way to protect your privacy online is with PureVPN. You can hide your online activities say goodbye to regional restrictions, and improve your streaming quality. Plus, it's available for almost all of your devices. You can get a special price and a 31-day money-back guarantee right now by going to pilchpoint.live slash purevpn. Still loving that music. All right. <laughs> um, so... What have you got for us this week, Avram? Well, so I wanted to talk, as we have talked a bit about um, about AI stuff, about uh, some more of the intellectual property issues that have been coming up in the week since we've since we've talked. Uh, there's been more. I've been spending a lot of time working on kind of a follow up to my last um, op ed about uh, the Google search plagiarism i've talked to a bunch a couple about three or four different lawyers i've talked to a couple of ethicists uh i've talked to a philosophy professor a bunch of people to tr uh to try to get some takes on whether on a take a couple answers to a couple of questions uh one question is uh you know, is it legal what uh, what the large language models are doing when they are taking uh, training data from the open web or perhaps in some cases from even paywalled stuff and uh, and or using from it the dark web. Right. And then using it uh, without without consent or compensation. Uh, is that fair use? 
the uh, another you know, is that fair use and could they be held liable in court? The other uh, the other question and and of course we've had seen I think three or four uh, lawsuits filed in the last few weeks uh, in the last in just the last few weeks and I spoke to one of the lawyers who's one of the head counsels on a lot of these lawsuits. A lot of these lawsuits are coming from the same group of lawyers. Um, so I've, uh, you know, have some information about that. Uh, and on the, uh, and of course, I've also been trying to get answers to the question of do machine, uh, the answer to the question of do machines have a right to learn like people do? Um, and do they actually learn like people do? And uh, finally, you know, what can you do to protect your intellectual property? So uh, let's let's start with the problem. Um, for those who haven't been following along with everything with everything that's going on with AI intellectual property or listening to all of our prior episodes, here's the skinny. You have your large the large language models the things that spit out the text or they spit out the images on demand are all taking the data from somewhere the they have gone out largely and scraped the internet and scraped uh, pieces of copyrighted material that are on the internet whether it is an article that a journalist wrote or whether it is uh, in some cases maybe not copyrighted material but personal data uh, some things that were posted by children. That's one of the lawsuits is that it's uh, some privacy issues are going on. Some of the things come from uh, novels uh, that they use as training data uh, because the novels had been posted somewhere, but not necessarily with permission and certainly not with permission to be used as training data. Um, and what's going on is when they're taking this information to use it as training data, they are in effect using uh people's work against them right like we we talked about this when talking about google's uh still in beta search generative experience but it tries to answer questions by taking by plagiarizing content from the websites that it normally would point you to so those websites they're getting uh, hurt two ways one google is using its monopoly position as a search engine to turn itself into a publisher and publish a competing answer uh, and putting it putting it on the top of the page, uh, top of the screen. Uh, but two, they're actually using, copying the work from the very sites whose work they're competing with and pushing down. So, um, so the question is, can they do that? Uh, can Google do that? Can OpenAI do that? Can Bing do that? Uh, can they get away with that? Um, and the answer is we we don't know yet. Um, and the, there's a legit question about whether or not it is fair use to for the machine to take information from the internet and use it as part of a learning model where it creates its creates i'll put it in air quotes its own infer answers out of the training data that it got now what google is doing where it was copying things word for word that is more like 
more likely to be actionable, although we can imagine that Google will get better at plagiarism and not necessarily copy things word, word for word, which makes it harder to know that you are that you that your work has been taken. Uh, some of the places, uh, some of the uh, lawsuits that I was reading, uh, these were more from from novelists. We actually haven't seen a journalistic outfit sue yet over text. We've seen Getty Images, which obviously has uh, journalistic photographs, uh, sue Stable Diffusion over image use, but we have not seen anybody um, anybody like you know who who writes journalistic articles suing one of the LLMs. We have now seen uh, several different uh, fiction or I guess biographical uh, writers sue. Uh, because just today it was announced Sarah Silverman is part of another class that is suing both Meta and I think OpenAI because she uh, she and the others have some proof that their uh, their novels were uh, were taken into the training data and there was another group of two novelists who filed suit last week and those folks. Again, they don't have access to the training data because this is closed source. Uh, so they filed suit against OpenAI based on the premise that the OpenAI knows some really detailed things about their work. And the OpenAI has been known to scrape websites where their work had been posted. And so how could the OpenAI be able to answer all these questions about the book if it didn't have the book and its training data? So um, that is an interesting question because the, the the real underlying question is is the fact that they have sucked up this data and turned it and have it sitting on a server somewhere as training data make it a copyright violation well if you take if you go back to the old napster days or even today if you wanted to go to pirate pirate website if you download a bunch of songs or a bunch of movies and they're on your hard drive your ssd whatever and you have not played them or distributed them, uh, that's still a copyright violation, even though you're not likely to get busted. So is what is having something where they clearly, we clearly know that they have this data on a server somewhere, they sucked it in, is that a copyright violation? Well, some would say yes, but there's a lot of legal precedent to say no. Uh, for one thing, caching has been found to be legally protected. So the fact that Google has, for example, um, a cache of web pages, right? You can go to the Google and you see in the results, there's the option to like, you know, see the cached version of a page. And we, and we know obviously that somewhere in Google's uh, servers, they ha probably have cache of everything. That's, that's legal. That was, I mean, that was ruled to be legal based on the theory that caching is a trend and indexing of content is what's called a transformative use. One test for fair use is, you know, for courts to determine whether something is fair use and therefore uh, someone who, who practices, who does such a thing is not uh, held liable for copyright infringement is, is the work transformative? Did you do something to 
the work that you took so that it, it's not really the same thing anymore. And a court decided that caching or indexing of web pages, that was fair use. So just the fact that they have data on their server that they downloaded your book does not, you know, that OpenAI downloaded your book does not necessarily, and it's sitting on their server somewhere, does not necessarily make them guilty of copyright infringement, although they would have to defend that in court as fair use as an affirmative defense. So uh, maybe, maybe not. On the other hand, one test of transformative is, is the uh, new work competing with the original work? And that is where um, the lawyers feel uh, like, for example, Matthew Butterick, who's uh, one of the lead counsels on uh, the Sarah Silverman lawsuit, the lawsuit with the other two novelists. I think he, he's not on the Getty lawsuit, but he's on another lawsuit of artists against stable, uh, stable diffusion, and he's on a lawsuit against GitHub for GitHub Copilot, um, and I, there may be one other. Um, what he told me when I talked to him is that, um, you know, if say someone like a Google is doing something where they're putting up work that competes with the original work, like maybe you, their answer is competing with your answer to the question. Um, that could be, you, you might be able to say that that is a, not a transformative work and therefore sue them for copyright infringement. He said that there was a case not long ago where somebody took a picture of an Andy Warhol painting uh, and modified it slightly or something. Um, and they tried to sell it to a magazine and the estate of Andy Warhol uh, sued them, sued and won, saying that they were, even though they had made some modifications to the image, that what they were doing was competing with the market for Andy, the Andy Warhol original image because that too could have been sold to the magazine. So, um, so they, so, you know, the plaintiff won in that case. So there's a really interesting question about whether or not uh, using something as training data, outputting it either as, as imagery or text is, is transformative. The other thing to keep in mind is Creative expression is protected by copyright, but facts are not. So uh, it may be much more difficult for uh, for journalistic publications like my own to, uh, if we were to file a lawsuit, which we have no plan to do. But anyway, uh, you know, if a journalistic publication were to file a lawsuit, it might be more difficult for them it would be more difficult for them because if their work isn't being copyrighted, isn't being plagiarized word for word, and just the facts of it are being taken, then facts cannot be copyrighted. So it would be more difficult uh, to, if not impossible necessarily to make the copy, to make the infringement claim versus someone who's a novelist, uh, in which case, um, in which case their novels, uh, you know, the expression in their novels would be protected. On the other hand, if all they're doing is summarizing the novel, then that might be considered transformative. So 
this is something that's going to be fought out in court. Uh, and perhaps there will be some regulations. Uh, but at this point, we're all kind of, you know, folks are all kind of waiting to see what the courts, what the courts say. Uh, because, uh, you know, it's a, it's a big problem. It's a, it's, as we've said, it's a huge problem for anyone who publishes anything to the internet. If you publish a user comment, a user review, that could be taken as training data. So, and and if you're thinking, oh, I don't care if my let them take my stuff as training data, I don't care if if that's your opinion. But it could be personal data too. They may they have they have found that there's information about individual children in there. There's information about individual people because it was written on the internet. So, um, you know, and it's very different than a search engine where that data can be much more easily. Uh, removed, you know, you find who owns the web. If there's a false information about you on a website, you can uh, ask that information to be expunged from search. You can add, you can try to talk to whoever's running the website. Hey, this is incorrect. Whatever this is, whatever. Get my stuff off there. But uh, once it's in the large language model, it's really hard at this point to get it removed. Uh, one thing we've seen is large language models are terrible about keeping things up to date, they confuse old information with new information. Uh, and they, and they are actually training on themselves to an extent because people are posting more AI generated content to the internet. So they, it's just reinforcing more and more and more the same bad information. So uh, I think we've all got a lot to be concerned about. One uh, solution that some folks have come up with, which is definitely not a long-term solution i think but is i think kind of innovative is um is this thing called glaze so let me show let me show it to you uh so glaze is uh let's see if i can just do it from here so so glaze is this is uh something that was created by some folks at university of chicago and what it does is you can take an original image of yours, this can't be a photo, it has to be like a drawing, a painting, it's meant for artists. So I downloaded, um, let's see if this works here, I downloaded a, um, a Monet painting uh, of, a, of a bridge, and I'm going to turn uh, this up very high and use the slowest, never mind it says 120 minutes, it'll take a minute. Um, and I'm going to, do I just, I think I do save as, and I tell it where to save it. Okay, whatever. Now I'm gonna run glaze. Um, it's gonna analyze the image. I only, you could do multiple images and it's going to slightly shift the pixels around, but not in a way that is so onerous that you, um, you know, that, that you couldn't, that most people could tell the difference. Um, so let's, so while we're waiting for that, um, while we're waiting for that, let's, um, you know, let's talk for a second about something else that's been going on in this, in this space. Um, rather, you know, the, the ethical questions. So, um, you know, there's an interesting question, which is, do machines have a right to learn like humans do? Uh, it, 
it kind of obviously right to learn is a little bit weird since that's not a legal a legal right right like nobody says that you have a right to learn there's like you know laws about truancy and going to school but you kind of effectively humans effectively have some right to learn because nobody sues you for all the things that you've learned and and sort of made your own right you 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 read a book uh you learned some facts maybe you learned a skill uh you know nobody goes out and says oh where'd that skill come from where'd you learn to draw where'd you learn how to program this this piece of code how do you know that you know how do you know that the earth is round and that the you know independence day is july 4th what's your source for those things you, at one point you learned those things but now you kind of own them and so you don't have to go out and say oh yeah my source is this i mean if you're writing you know something and you make a claim that's not general knowledge then it is good practice to cite it but uh to cite your source but there's a lot of things that we learn and know that we don't go around spitting out links to find a source for. We may not even know what the source is anymore. So humans sort of have a right to learn like that. Do machines have a right to just say, hey, I own this knowledge and I can go out and read everything on the internet. A person who had infinite amount of time and a perfect photographic memory could do that too. But realistically, a person does not have a photographic memory person does not have an infinite amount of time and a person does not have the distribution capability on their own that somebody like a, a, you know like a large language model does to just spit things out so um and hum, human learning is you know sort of a process of make of combining it with uh, combining what you've learned today with experiences that you've had insights feelings perspectives right uh machines don't have that they have a they have a table of embeddings filled with text and they are predicting what comes what to say next you could argue that people are just machines predicting what to say next but i but i don't think that 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 is uh, an argument a lot of people would agree with so so i don't think that you know obviously it's a matter of some opinion but i don't think that machines have have a quote-unquote unlimited right to learn and we know that humans don't have an unlimited right to use machines to extend their memory you know you cannot take a camera uh into a concert and record it uh and you know post the whole thing there i mean people do but you're not supposed to you cannot you know you're entitled to go to the restroom, but if they catch you uh, wearing a full body camera into the restroom, uh, you might be in some big trouble. So I think, you know, there, there's, there's differences between, you know, what you as a person are allowed to, to see and what you're allowed to record. Um, anyway, back to Glaze. So, um, so let's take a look at what Glaze uh, and what Glaze gave me. Um, so here's, you know, here, here, here it finished. I'm going to open up my downloads folder where it made 
my it should have stored my new image right so this is the highest intensity so let's look at the original oops wants to open in photoshop i want to open a regular um, oh fine whatever okay so here's the original bridge in in photoshop um let's see if we can tell the difference between that and the rendered one so this is the modified one this is the unmodified one if you look really closely you can see a difference but not much of one so what is the purpose of this the purpose is that apparently it makes it much harder for an ai training model to copy an artist's individual style so by shifting some of the pixels around oh. they make it so they make it so that the ai will grab like oh i want a bridge i want lilies great but if you ask it to paint in the style of monet and you were just training it on on that modified image it would probably not quite get how to do the brush strokes and you know the 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 little the the things that make the style unique so especially, that is what glaze is supposed to do especially if you've got multiple images that have all been run through this because obviously you have to have multiple images to be able to figure out what the style is and the style is going to be different in each one because the pixel arrangement is going to change so it'll be yes. real hard to grab yeah. onto a style if the computer is specifically screwing up the style in different ways every time. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, so like here's here's their like glazes picture of what happens. Like this is what sort of they say it's the the the, the model is seeing. Um so and yet to the to the human eye it's it's not really perceptible right so so i think their point is artists who are posting their work online because artists have to do that a lot um are are better protected by this and then if of course the immediate question is oh what if somebody takes a photo of the screen or takes a screenshot doesn't matter because the pixels were shifted it's not metadata so so supposedly this is a decent solution but of course ais are going to get better and better at trying to you know to get around this problem yeah basically oh basically a de-blur right it, it's not even really a blur well i mean as far as the what i mean is as far as the training data is concerned the image has been changed it's been altered it's been it's been blurred from its original content at some point they might figure out how to de-blur the thing um it's it's something that like god it wasn't this year it must have been 2020 at ces i did an interview with a company that was able to like undo damage images and stuff it's possible that the same kind of 
of technology could exist to de-damage the image, but not today. Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's a moving target. I think the only way that artists are going to really be protected is through uh, regulation of some kind, either, legis- either lawsuits. I mean, uh, the lawyers who are behind this say they think that a successful lawsuit will uh, act a lot faster and, and be much more effective than trying to get uh, politicians to pass new laws. So, so there's... I can see that. Um, I can see that. So, I mean, there's also some question about, um, in, in the case of Google, about whether it's violating some antitrust. Um, I actually spoke to an antitrust lawyer about mm-hmm. whether it's violating any antitrust uh, stuff with what it's doing. Although the problem is that you would have to kind of argue that you were you were possibly running a competing search engine. Um, rather although they are potentially competing with you on ad serving or something so uh i mean it's a difficult they're putting they're definitely putting folks in a very difficult uh, position now where uh some of these uh, ais are in a lot more of a murky ground than they are dealing with uh dealing with uh say whether they've word for word taken uh work or word for word taken you know, whether they've taken passages is uh, working with uh, copyrighted characters and stories. Mm-hmm. So um, now I, because the people who like Disney or, you know, Warner Brothers or the music industry, they don't play around. They're very happy to sue people. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, if Disney, if you're listening, um, if you go to Google and you ask it to write a not safe for work story about any Disney character, it will do it for you. So it will, so it will write you, uh, it will write you, it will on command write you stories about, well, I guess Mickey Mouse is coming off is coming into public domain. So maybe that doesn't matter. I think Uh, only the original uh, Steamboat Willie style uh, version though. I don't think though. Yeah, but pants, I don't. Red pants, white gloves right, version is. Since it would be a text story, I'm not sure which one it would be, which Mickey Mouse it is. Yeah. Unless it's Sessius Red Pants. Uh, but okay. Let's say you asked it about somebody about, like, you know, Luke Skywalker instead, because he's definitely still under copyright. Yeah. Right? Like, eh, they, or, or, you know, Spider Man or whatever, like, it will write you stories about them. Some of which, whether well, it doesn't even matter whether they're embarrassing to the or off-brand or not. Like, they're you know now you as an individual can write fan fiction, but if if Google is doing it for you, are they profiting off of it? Yeah. I I would argue that they are because they're showing you ads and they're getting your user data and you know. It's not the same as me sitting alone at my computer uh, writing fan fiction. So, uh, you know, and one thing that I find very interesting is that Google's music uh, music service, you know, Google has an experimental text-to-music generator. Hmm. The text-to-music generator will not do anything that re- is any even remotely related to an existing artist. Yeah. So the, when it comes to, like, 
the Google SGE or Bard, if you ask it to write a, a text story about anything, it will pretty much do it. Uh, but if you go to the music generator and you say, hey, I want something in the style of Frank Sinatra or, or the, I don't know, the style of Led yeah. Zeppelin or who, anybody, anybody, it will say, sorry, I can't do that. Like it will, it will not even try. Right. So I feel like this is sort of deliberate and whoever made the music product was like, oh no, the RIAA sues people all the time. We can't, uh -huh. you know, we, we, we can't get involved in this. Whereas the people who do the text bots are like, oh, we can, we think we can get away with this. So uh, it's interesting what, you know, who, who they see as litigious and who they don't. Um, but you know, there's I'm a surprised. good chance that they I'm surprised that Disney is not the organization that they consider to be litigious because everybody else does. They sued a preschool. I mean, I, my guess is that it's not that they don't consider them litigious. It's that they haven't put in guardrails to stop it. Right. They, I, I think there's just a total lack of thought there yeah. and lack of care uh, for intellectual I, property in general. I definitely got, Bing to just create an image of Mickey Mouse as Batman at Universal Studios, just just to right. make sure yeah. that I so mixed mixed up three very competing brands. Right, right, and and I would argue that they are profiting off of that. Like, yeah. I mean, you you could question about well, did they how much money did they make off of your individual prompt? Mm -hmm. But the fact that they can do that kind of stuff is a draw for people to come to their site. Yeah. And so they're, you know, they're infringing. Like, uh, you know, I think, I'm not a lawyer, but I, I think that they're contributing, you know, I don't know. They, they could argue that they're like, you know, remember we used to have dual cassette decks? Mm -hmm. They could argue that they're just a dual cassette deck in this equation. But, um, but well, I guess we'll see. Um, the final AI thing I wanted to say, and I know we've said a lot, is <laughs> that this week, is that this week we saw yet another uh, journalistic publication start rolling out AI-generated content. Uh, Geo Media, which runs Gizmodo and Deadspin and a bunch of other sites, uh, started rolling out uh, its first. AI generated articles this week. It had, uh, or I should say last week, uh, it had a, a, a listicle of the Star Wars movies in chronological order. And it was, it was actually incorrect. It put <laughs> the, the clone wars at the, as the, the clone wars and rebels as coming after the, the uh, rise of Skywalker. Um, and it had no introductory paragraph and each, each, uh, sentence, each, like it was the least valuable article I've ever seen, even if it got the facts, even if it had gotten the facts correct, because it wouldn't have been difficult for it to have, you know, figured out that uh, clone wars is taking place before, uh, rogue one or whatever, but the, but each sentence was like, uh, let's see, you know, was it Force Awakens, 
Ray discovers she has Jedi powers. Like that's the whole summary. Force Last Jedi. Ray continues to battle with the dark side. Right, uh, Je uh, Jedi uh, Rise of Skywalker. Ray's Ray has a Ray continues fighting the dark side even more. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I mean, that's. Uh, sounds I mean, like there was they, like uh... no. So, sounds like it missed that 300 or 500 word target by a little bit. No, I mean, like the whole thing might have added up to 300 words because it had a bullet point for each thing. But yeah, it was very, I, very low quality. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like it would have had to have had 30 plus films in there to at the eight words of summary per, yeah, per movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, so the uh, the folks who were who who worked there this cr created quite a stir uh, in the media and in the social media. Uh, Washington Post even reported about it. the The editors actually went on to social media and said, "We didn't, you know, they did this behind our back. Some person we don't know went into the CMS and put it in uh, mm. and didn't tell us about, you know, and didn't." tell us about it or even have us look edit it uh and um you know we this is embarrassing we're embarrassed um i don't blame them for saying that either like i i i feel very a lot of empathy for them uh because it could happen to to anybody who's you know working uh, for a publication that they if their management decides hey we want to try this um and mm -hmm. uh, but what i think it points out here is that it's clear that whoever put it in didn't really read it or if they read it, they didn't understand wh why there was a problem yeah. that there was a problem. But every time these things happen where a publication puts up um, information, puts up AI generated um, information, AI generated articles uh, and other people point out that the articles are full of flaws. It, it always comes. The answer is always, well, we need to do the, the they'll do a better job of vetting it next time. They'll do a better job of, of they'll have a it must be the fault of a human who was supposed to read it. Someone was asleep at, at the wheel. Right. Uh, in fact, I was uh, last week I was interviewed on a Turkish television station um, about AI. And they asked me the question. This really resonated. Well, this question really resonate but like really made me think uh the interviewer uh who who is on a uh was a trt trt world is the name of the uh, uh place that interviewed me there i think it's turkish trt stands for turkish something television and they have a show called money talks which is like their business show uh it's english language show and uh i they you know dialed me into the show and the host asked me he said so uh it sounds like businesses you know, can businesses trust AI? And when I told him about the various errors they make, he said, oh, so it sounds like they're going to have to put a lot of resources into editing, into vetting, carefully vetting and editing the material before they roll out with it. Well, that begs a question. Why roll out with it in the first place? If I, if you hired someone and they did an absolutely horrible job and they were unreliable and they lied and they made stuff up and they were, and their work was full of flaws and errors, would you say, wow, I need a better supervisor for that person? Or 
well, let me get a different person who need, who doesn't who who who's reliable right so like the there's a lot of people presuming that like oh yeah ai is just fine if you have the right amount of human supervision over it but why the i think what the geo media instance really showed us is the purpose of a lot of these sites rolling out with ai content is not because they think that it'll do as good a job or a better job than a person it's that they want to have to to, to cynically vomit content up onto the internet and hope that it will get ranked in Google and someone will click on it. And once a person's clicked on it, whether it's actually good or not is beside the point. Um, and, you know, that's what we always call clickbait, whether it's made by a human or made by an AI. And, you know, first of all, there's very little future for that kind of content. We, we already are concerned that Google is making that kind of content itself. Why on earth would Google list link to your crappy AI generated content when it can generate its own crappy AI generated content instead? Um, in fact, Gizmodo's article did and, not rank in the. T and, yeah. and if Google keeps the secret sauce, then they can essentially outrank you even with quality. <laughs> Of right. their crappy AI-generated nonsense, they could even theoretically outrank you with quality. Right, right. I mean, there's no like what. There's no future in in low-quality content. There's no future in it. Like, yeah. So I'm not even really sh like. I think what some of these companies are trying to do is they're trying to say, "Oh, look, we can save money. We can we can we can generate traffic. Maybe we can replace." humans some human staffers i mean there was another uh website i forget the name of it some really not small time game gaming news site that got rid of all of their staff and then they listed a an, an open full-time job for an ai editor whose job it is to publish 200 ai generated articles per week woof on gaming news 200 200 articles a week so how how much time do you think that editor is going to have to edit those 200 ai generated articles it's probably going to be all the time they have just to come up with a prompt i mean the reality is if you are if you if you are putting out ai contents because you don't want to have quality human intervention right so there's there's no there's no point like to say, oh, yeah, uh, uh, you need to get more and better editors to to edit the AI content. Why don't you just get those more and better editors to write the AI content, right? To write the content. Like if I if the AI, if seriously, if the AI is so such a poor writer that we need to throw a lot of human resources at it to make it look good. Why are we using the first place? Like, why don't you just have the human do it like as and and. As, a, as an editor, I have to say that, like, it's a lot easier to sit there and write my own article than it is to have to rewrite something that is really off base. Uh -huh. Like, you know, if I have, you know, I, I the goal, our goal as editors is to hire people who are good and do the minimum amount of, of changes to their work, yeah. not have somebody who's consistently bad 
and can and and worry about did I let something bad slip through because I can't trust this person or gee this sounds really convincing but like I have writers who know about things that I don't know as much about as them they're subject matter experts right mm-hmm. how am I like so they might say something and I'm kind of counting on them to be an authority and know more than me if I have like this idea that you're going to have all these really brilliant fact checkers who know everything that they've asked the AI to prompt, they know more than the AI or as much as the AI and therefore can, you know, can detect any kind of, uh, you know, mistake uh, is, is, is just not for real. Yeah. In that case, you should have humans anyway. So as a note, as a note, so 200 articles, 40 hours, 2,400 minutes, works out to 12 minutes per article, and that includes prompt, edit, image generation, link inclusion, all the things that go with (laughs) publishing an article that people who don't do it regularly don't necessarily know about, and then uh, publishing, 12 minutes per piece. Yeah, I mean, we don't know if their system puts the text directly into the CMS either. Right. My guess True is that most of the most of them probably like if you're using ChatGPT, it doesn't do that for you. No. You've got to you got to copy it and paste it into whatever CMS you're using. Mm-hmm. It doesn't give you images with the text. You got to have at least something, right? So yeah, it's gonna be yeah. You got minutes. it. I can't imagine. I can't imagine who would want to do the job though. It's a really like that's the other thing. You're getting your smart, getting smart, creative people, or you hope smart, creative people. Who's going to want to be the job? Who's going to want to do the job of being the ghostwriter for an AI? Yeah. Yeah. True. Or ghost AI being ghostwriter for you. How? However, that. No, no, no. I mean, if the if it's an AI byline, oh, and you yeah, are supposed yeah. to go in there and clean it up so the AI looks good. Like how humiliate, how soul sucking is that? Like I, I, you know, whoever is an editor, they got into this because they wanted to write. But oh, hey, you're not good. We don't care for you. You don't get a byline. The AI bot gets a yeah. byline. Just make them look good. Yeah. Just make that, just make them look make the AI look good. See, that's that's how the battle between Skynet and humans happens. It's not it's not Skynet trying to attack humans. It's a human who was told, you're not even getting credit for this. We're going to credit the computer that goes on a rampage against the server farm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, uh, anyway. So, <sighs> anyway, I talked to you off enough, but you can learn more about this at tomshardware.com. We are going to have a, uh, uh, we have some articles up about it, but uh, I'm going to have another article up about, uh, the copyright issues and the right to learn uh, coming uh, later this week after Prime Day is over. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but until Prime Day, I can't uh, work on any much else. Uh, but do check us out yeah. for Prime Day, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday of this week. Uh, go to tomsarboy.com. We will be finding you. We are even now uh, before Prime Day finding you deals. Uh, there is a fantastic deal. Uh, this is a fantastic time to buy an SSD. Uh, right now, you can get a Samsung 980 Pro, a really great SSD for $99 for two terabytes. Wow. Uh, five, cents a ter- five cents a gigabyte. Uh, and that's that's for a really fast, you know, if you want something a little less fast, you can, probably, you can do it for $70. Uh, 
for two terabytes. Uh, so yeah, the definitely this is a great time to upgrade, uh, to upgrade your storage, to upgrade your RAM, uh, to do a new build if you want. Uh, so it's uh, stay tuned. That's a that's a really great price. I can't I can't help but think of that. Um, what was it? Was it a two hundred and fifty six megabyte SD card that Nick once bought? Um, for I think it was two hundred nineteen bucks. It, I mean, everything. This is this is totally predictable. Mm-hmm. We'll be laughing at the price. To, whatever it goes on with storage and and memory, you can guarantee that you that in X number of years you will be absolutely laughing at what yeah. you paid uh, for today. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I I remember having. You know, SD cards just I'm like just where I'm sitting, I'm looking at like six of them just lying here in the studio for whatever reason. And you know, we went and we looked up that receipt, and we're like, "Oh my god, 256 megabytes! You can't even do anything with that these days." Yeah, no joke. That would be like that'd be like one image file. I know, right? Oh my goodness! Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, No, you know what? That'd be like twenty, twenty JPEGs. Yeah, twenty JPEGs in there. Yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Anyway, I I really enjoyed this one, Avram. It's it's a fascinating topic. Obviously, as writers ourselves seeing this stuff closing in from the outside is can be scary um you know coming at us from different directions um but you know it's it's good to see that there's things happening they're not first of all the technology is embarrassing itself as as we saw with gizmodo we also see that there's some uh movement on the legal front as well that hopefully will uh will have some teeth to it uh, over the over the coming months. Um, I will tell you though, there are some AIs or AIs, you know, LLMs that that work in context. We've talked about it, you know, the uh, the the thing that I was turned on to that can listen to this episode and then write me a summary entirely contained to what we say and not going outside of our content and stealing somebody else's, that's a whole different concept. Um, but yeah, when it just AI, goes out AI and steals is great other people's for that. stuff. Eek. We can't use the word AI. Like the word AI is so vague and nebulous that it's uh-huh. it's not like... Like, blo- like blockchain no and cryptocurrency say, oh, or metaverse. I'm pro-AI or I'm anti, anti-AI. There's, there's many different use cases... And even the term AI is meaningless because it, it's not artificial intelligence. It's not it's not a sentient being. It's simply pattern recognition. So pattern recognition and predictive, you know, predictive response. So yeah, it's fantastic for rec- for doing something like what you describe. It's fantastic for transcribing audio. Awesome, great, wonderful. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate all this. The the uh, 
Glacier? Is that what it's called? Glaze. Glaze is super cool. Like um, a donut. That's that's super cool. Uh, I definitely want to play with that. Uh, and as always, Avram, I appreciate it, and I look forward to what we talk about next time. This week's Extra Life on F5 Live Refreshing Technology is proudly powered by EXA. EXA brings the latest technology to gamers, offering the most immersive products for the ultimate gaming experience. They've compiled the best elements of cutting-edge ENC tech, the latest in Bluetooth 5.0 and 7.1 surround, plus extra features into their headsets so everyone can enjoy a sensational gaming experience. And they've got headsets for Xbox, PlayStation, Switch, and PC. Plus, they won't break the bank. Learn more about the headsets that are available and any current promotions by going to f5live.tv slash exa. So in the gaming world, uh, the modern gaming world, one of the things that we have lost is the ability to buy and sell used games. Now, in the old days, we had cartridges, we had CDs, DVDs, Blu-rays. Today, we mostly deal with digital distribution. Uh, it was one of the big concerns with the Xbox One and PlayStation 4 uh, was their focus on digital distribution. Um, Microsoft came up with the solution for being able to share games. Um, GameStop tried to create a way to buy, sell, and trade uh, used titles, but nobody got on board. And I'm pretty sure the idea went away. But we have a platform that has been in beta for seemingly a long time. I think it's been a couple of years now uh, called Robot Cash. And this system is designed specifically to be able to buy and sell used games. It works on blockchain. You can make purchases through cash or the cryptocurrency of the platform which is called iron you can earn iron by selling games or um, there's challenges and stuff based into the platform that you can use as well and um, through that you can earn the cryptocurrency and then uh, make purchases with it but the thing that makes it really interesting is that ability to buy and sell used titles now the way they've gotten through this is by getting the developers and publishers on board because when a used game is sold, 25% of the value goes to the person who owned it, 70% goes to the studio, and then 5% goes to Robot Cash. That's how they keep their lights on. It's a really interesting concept it's just coming out of beta now. It's been in beta a long time. It's coming out of beta, I think, this week. Um, they are giving away a free game as part of it. Uh, Wasteland 3, if you sign up, you can grab the game for free right now. At the very least, that's, you know, worth it uh, <laughs> to get the free game. But it's definitely an interesting concept. I'm curious 
how it's going to work, though. Not, like, technologically. I understand technologically how it works. But I'm really curious about whether this is going to succeed or not. What do you think, Abram? So here's my question. I don't know if we have the answer is do how many developers have opt in opted into this i assume for every game that they have listed the 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 publisher has to agree agree to it right yes yeah um because i think the only things that they're selling through the store are games that can then later be uh resold um and i'll tell you like on here, we've got uh, Destroy All Humans, obviously Wasteland 3. Um, the My browser has locked up. The website is really weird. Like, I don't know if it's like Super Lumberjacks JavaScript. Dynasty. Lumberjack Dynasty. I don't know if it's Super JavaScript or what, but every time I come here, no matter what computer I'm on, it locks up. Um, but like... It does seem like there's a lot of a lot of publishers in here. And if they can get if they can show any success, any success with this, they'll get more. The studios that so are the studios and publishers that are missing though, will is, join in if later. If you're a publisher if you're a publisher, why would you participate in this? Because you're you're basically giving away thirty percent of your profit. Uh 30% of your profit on a game right off the bat. Uh, it's an interesting question. It's an interesting question. Um, I guess one possibility would be that you're only giving away that 30% on secondary sales which ends up with basically selling for 170%. If it's resold once, you get 170%. And if it's an online game, you've only got one active user at a time. Okay, but you... like, And this is always the interesting question when it comes to... This is the interesting question when it comes to a lot of things. How do you know that the person who bought it, who bought it at, who bought it at a lower price? Oh, and remember, wait, it's they're not just giving, they're not just losing thirty percent because they're getting seventy percent of what's probably a lower price because it's a used game, right? So it's not even seventy percent. It's not even seventy percent. If the original game was sixty dollars. And then there's a person selling it used for $30. You're not getting 70% of $60. You're getting 70% of $30. True. So you're losing you're losing more than that. Um, but if that game wasn't available used, then the person who wants it would have to pay the $60. True. Therefore, you're getting the whole $60. Now, the, oh, the question in all these cases is, would that person have not bought the game if it was, if it was not that price? Mm -hmm. But... Um, and it also but, comes to the the price difference. Like, is that is that like thirty? Let's just go with whole numbers. Is that thirty dollar difference 
on an infrastructure level, a bonus to have two users potentially active on the system as opposed to losing that 30 and only having one user active on an online game. There, there's all kinds of weird calculus that but, goes into this. But, but, but you see, I think every, I think most people would just wait, would just buy it through robot cash, which I understand there'd have to be a limited number of copies or whatever, but they buy like, depending on how much scarcity there is on robot cash for like, mm-hmm. Oh, I want to get this game, but, uh, but I can't get it because not enough used people are selling it used or something like mm-hmm. that. Like that, something like that would have to happen for people to not say, well, if I can get this for the, for a lesser price, why wouldn't I? Mm-hmm. Uh, especially because unlike some sites that are key sellers, right? Like there's a lot of sites out there that will sell you game keys right. and there's, real questions about whether those keys are legit, right? right. Um, so versus a game key thing, this is obviously a big plus for them. But on the other hand, if they are cooperating with uh, Robot Cash, then that means that the game is guaranteed to work. And so they can't, so you can't say like, oh, well, you could get a key that doesn't work and then you've got a problem or they could deactivate your key at some point, point mm-hmm. if it's pirated. But if, if this is, this is, quote unquote supported and legit to the publisher then then you know there's no reason not to buy a used game it's not like you know i mean what are the reasons you wouldn't buy a used a used physical media game uh, i'm worried that it's scratched they don't scarcity they don't have it in the mm-hmm. they don't have it in my GameStop. the one that right. i want it's missing the instructions the box some the box some the person who used it might have had cooties, you know. I don't know. I don't Licked know it, but you know, you know, it could be. I don't know. It's just always something nice about it. Something that no other person touched except someone in the factory probably touched it. Um, Un- so we like, used to say we used to say at Radio Shack, "Untouched by American hands." <laughs> yeah, right. So untouched, right? Un- untouched outside of the factory, right? So, so, right. So, but none of those concerns exist with this digital only media. You don't have to worry about, about mm-hmm. any of those problems because you were going to buy it digitally and now you bought it digitally. You were going to buy it digitally from Steam or Epic and now you bought mm-hmm. it digitally from here. Like, what's, what difference does it make to you? Like, true. Uh, so, so yeah, I, wonder... I, mean, I think this would be dangerous for them. Yeah, that's interesting. I wonder how much stuff comes with the purchase. I wonder if it's just the CD or does it come with all the character data? I don't know. That oh, you mean would the person fasc- saves? That I would be fascinating. Not, I hope not too. I don't think I don't think you have to upload your game. I think they have the game and it's you're just they're just you, getting your license. So you're purchasing the game. This is a digital this is a instead of Steam. So the original per- person has to have purchased it as a full product from here, from what I understand. All right. And then put it back up for sale later. So everything lives within this ecosystem. Right. The original I mean, purchase, I'm, the repurchase, from what I understand. I'm, sh- I'm sure some publishers will go for this. I mean, after all, it's not like 
these games are like, you know, after they recoup their costs, which are obviously could be quite significant, like it's not like it costs them. It doesn't cost them anything for an additional person to get it, as you say, right? So, right. so they don't have to print and you know mint another CD. Right. So there are some who will say, hey, you know, there's some publishers who will say, hey, my game, I I need, you know, I need more people getting my game. But I think the top games, the top publishers, are not going to part are not going to participate. That's my guess. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see uh what happens with this it's a it is a fascinating concept but i don't know like you said i don't know what the market positioning on it is um and it will be interesting to see how all of that goes it's been operating in beta for a while now it's just coming out of beta now but like we saw with uh uh, NVIDIA, the GeForce Now, coming out of beta was the mistake that they made. <laughs> right. That was when all eyes were on them and things went sideways. So it'll be interesting to see what happens here, um, and we'll definitely be keeping an eye on it. This week's news from the tubes on F5 Live Refreshing Technology is proudly powered by Malwarebytes. Whether you use a PC, a Mac, or a mobile device, Malwarebytes Premium is the company's strongest protection ever. It fights threats that traditional antivirus software can't stop, plus it actively blocks threats like worms, rogues, dialers, trojans, spyware, and a whole lot more. It allows you to use your computer and mobile devices with confidence and peace of mind. To learn more and to get a special price, you can go to f5live.tv slash Malwarebytes. If you haven't been paying attention to social media this week, uh, something interesting happened. Uh, Meta launched a competitor for Twitter. Now, Twitter has been in a weird place lately. Um, since Elon Musk made his purchase of the company possibly on accident or whatever happened there. Um, it has been a little bit like watching a roller coaster where if you saw the roller coaster that has the crack in the, in the, the pole, a little bit like riding that roller coaster because it's a constant fear of, uh, something falling off getting lost um, that's been that's been the feeling for kind of everybody on Twitter um, over the last couple of months other organizations have tried to fill the void uh, you know there was blood in the water and the sharks are out um, the largest of those sharks either ironically or um, purposefully was Mastodon. Uh, they came in and tried to uh, to fill the void. Um, the sign-up process is not particularly user-friendly, which has caused problems uh, for user growth over there. Um, then there was Blue Sky, which started inside of Twitter and got spun out at some point and um, seems to still be spinning somewhere. But Meta, 
Meta's Instagram launched what was originally known internally as Project 92. Today is known as Threads. It is... Interestingly, it's possible that Elon Musk best described it as Instagram without the photos. Um, and in fact, it's almost exactly Instagram, except when you post an image, it's below the text instead of above. Um, the iconography is very similar. It's a more rounded off version of the icons, but overall the iconography is even the same, you know, heart and paper are plain, all the things that, that we've come to know on Instagram, uh, mostly follows over, but threads is confusing. Uh, I've been spending a lot of time on it, trying to wrap my head around it. And the thing that I have come away with is that's what everybody's doing. Everybody's trying to wrap their head around exactly what threads is and what threads will become. Um, right now, there are a bunch of brands that are acting strangely. For example, one of the social media managers for IGN posted a picture of their dog today and said, I know this is IGN's account, but I wanted you to see Daisy. If they, I feel like if they did that on, on Twitter, that would have been the end of their job. Maybe but, the boss isn't watching. It's a, oh, so it's a great analogy because that is the whole feeling on threads. Nobody's boss is watching because nobody knows what it is. No. <laughs> and so I, I've been describing it as a kaleidoscope because occasionally you can see what you want to see. And then if you move even a little bit back to chaos, <laughs> because the feed, the feed has nothing to do with you. And, and as more accounts join, um, it's less to do with you. Like, I've made a couple of new friends on threads in the early hours. Um, we're quickly approaching 100 million um, claimed accounts. Um, as, as we sit here now, I it's well over 90 million. Um, and, you know, I was active under 500,000. And so I'd see a lot of the same people. Um, and so like I posted, one of my first posts was, I don't understand what's happening here. Um, the Uber feed seems to just be sheer chaos. And somebody who I don't know, who I'm not following, who is not following me, commented and said, I was about to say the same thing. And then a random person I don't know said it first. So I'm just going to go with yours. It's this weird, like, discovery platform right now because it doesn't matter who you follow and who you don't follow. Unless you've muted people, there are accounts you're guaranteed to see. <laughs> and it's not because they're paying for, for that view. You're just going to see them. They're not people you're interested in. Most of what I see through the feed is not anything I've, I'd possibly be interested in. And I've been going on a blocking and muting spree to try and rein it in. I, I, it's they, chaos. They have to know that's not a good idea, right? I don't know. Because I don't Why know... They... I don't know if they know what it is yet. 
Um, there's a what? whole there's a whole language that's that's being developed by the community on the platform in real time, which has been fun to watch. What do we call a post on here? Is it a thread? Is it a what are we doing? Are we threading? Are we weaving? What like there's this whole language that's developing in real time in posts. It's kind of like a group chat that has gotten way out of hand. <laughs> I mean, maybe I don't know. Maybe uh, I mean, look, they got to do somebody's. If they were to put the effort into it, there's no question that Meta could um, could be a serious competitor to Twitter because Twitter is going off the rails. Like it's really, really going off of the rails. But there's not there's not a great heir apparent, right? Like Mastodon is too confusing. Yeah. Like I set up an account, but like you can be on one Mastodon server and you need to set up an account on another Mastodon yeah. server. And like it, it should be across servers because they're federated, but it doesn't seem yeah. to work that way. So that's frustrating. Uh, like Blue Sky, I you know I guess, but it's a whole new thing. They're taking a something that's already has a user base mm-hmm. from a company that knows how to do social media, mm-hmm. right? And, they got four of them already, right? So there's no re so like. They're in a great position to do this. Yeah. I'm not saying. And it's using Instagram, existing Instagram accounts. So, so they've already got a massively active user base. They were able to send push notifications to everybody. Hey, threads is ready. Click here. And all you have to do is hit a button. It imports your profile. You hit another button. It follows all of your friends as they create their threads accounts. Yep. Automatically. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, they know, they know how to do this. Uh, I, I'm not to say that I, you know, this actually is turning Zuckerberg into like, this is the best thing for Zuckerberg's reputation. I think that's happened in a while because yeah. he actually looks sane. He uh-huh. actually looks sane, sane and reasonable now. Uh, I mean, I just had up here what Elon, Elon Musk said today actually this hour he he's i I won't even repeat but he's like he's like going around like this is what the richest man or one of the richest men in the world has time to do with himself i guess because he has so much money it doesn't matter if he loses it loses most of it you know he he goes he's going around posting people are asking about uh threads and he's going around posting zuck is a cop yeah i saw that Asking, I saw whether... that. As a, I saw that as a screenshot of the tweet on Threads, just as a note. Right. He also said uh, less than an hour ago that he would like to uh, get into a contest with Zuckerberg, where they measure each other's uh, genitalia to see hmm. who has the biggest. Okay. Like, so that is what that is what the that is the kind of business person, <laughs> uh, business genius that owns Twitter now. Like and that, I I have argued for a long time that he is no business genius. He ended up on the right, right side of the argument about PayPal or something, and the rest of it is 
accident. Wait, I mean, the thing, the thing is, I don't know if this is what this shows is that he was always this eccentric and he's gotten the platform to do it mm-hmm. or, and, and he's gotten enough money that he does no longer cares uh, or whether what it really shows is that if you get this much money, you don't care about earning money anymore. And it's just a play thing yeah. where, you know, like for you and I, like we would be like, Hey, we need more money, but maybe mm-hmm. there's a point at which going from like, 50 billion to 100 billion is meaningless. Like, right. what are you going to do with the other 50 billion? Right. Oh, I guess you might as well have a good time, you know, acting like a 12 year old on uh, on social media. So, like, you know, whereas, like, I don't know what kind of people they are in private, but uh, Jeff Bezos and uh, Mark Zuckerberg, like, they're in this to make money. Like, mm-hmm. Or it's seemingly so, right? Like they do, they don't make business, they don't make business decisions about what feeds their ego today, you know, or, or who they dislike and want to insult or whatever. It's like, no, I want to do what's good for business for making Mm -hmm. money. So, so uh, yeah, I mean, Twitter is in, Twitter is in a bad place and not just because of the personality, not just because Elon Musk says uh, alienating things that are embarrassing to the brand. Uh, I mean, that would be one thing, but you know, things like last week when they started to limit the amount of tweets people could see, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, the uh, the fact that they've had you know technical problems because they let people go. They had they've gotten rid of a lot of the people who do moderation, uh, like at, you'd ha- advertisers really it's not an ad a brand safe place to be um so yeah i mean like there's nothing that twitter does the value that comes to twitter is who's there yeah the technology does not is not hard to reproduce right so this business of him suing threatening to sue or suing mm-hmm. uh meta because they copied his design like it's not like irc or something it's claiming that well claiming that they hired former twitter employees for their knowledge and then um the head of legal maybe for meta posted on threads we do not employ a single former employee of twitter oh on the threads team so okay Uh, so i mean so i I was reading that everywhere and i guess i assumed that it was correct although it doesn't matter i don't think it matters because what they're asking like there's no there's nothing secret about how to program something that shows stuff in a threaded that design like there's no magic to it it's not some special algorithm or whatever I mean, it's actually clear that they haven't done a lot of work on the algorithm. Correct. Um, or they have, uh, that... and they have a weird idea that they're testing. It's possible. The thing I keep reminding people of is we are part of a very public alpha. Because right. um, two weeks ago, I think it was two weeks ago, I wrote an article for a show we didn't do because uh, <laughs> of personal things. Um I wrote an article about Project 92, and they didn't have a release window for it yet. <laughs> and here we are two weeks right. later, and it's in the wild. There's almost 100 million users. This is the most public alpha 
of software that has ever been. There's no, there's no account switching. There's, <laughs> I, even stuff that's in Instagram. And it seems like they just like right click copied the solution for Instagram and pasted it and started from there. <laughs> and there's still right. things from Instagram that aren't here. <laughs> so, so let me, let me give you an idea of the, the, the thing that's happening over there. Right. So on my feed, I have NVIDIA GeForce Philippines posted happy video game day. How are you celebrating? And Logitech G replied caffeine and video games, not necessarily in that order. This is the kind of like weird conversations between brands that is happening a lot. There's so much like as I scroll there's Astro Gra Gaming posted and Logitech replied. <laughs> Razer posted and Logitech replied. Like, <laughs> I don't know what's happening here. I see more brand stuff than I do people stuff at this point. So I don't know what this is. I don't think anybody knows what it is. I think everybody's playing around and hoping somebody will figure it out. <laughs> right. Yeah. Who knows? All I can uh, say is, I mean, it's I think it's a, a really good idea. fun weekend. It's, I mean, I just haven't had a lot. Of, I haven't had any time to play with it. I, I really do want to play with it because look, first of all, I see Twitter's in some trouble. I actually spend a lot of time on Twitter. I probably spend mm -hmm. more time on Twitter now than I did before. Uh, before it was in trouble and i don't know why i guess it's i found interesting people to stuff to read and whatever and that's fine like it's it's still like a decent ex user experience the problem is that the platform is is sinking right but um i mean all that twitter would need to get back to being an okay user to being okay would be to have competent people who were committed to keeping it stable and not just trying to like squeeze it for squeeze you for money uh you know run it but at the present time that doesn't look good and and they're hurting their value so yeah. i don't know i i but i have to try these other platforms because if there's a chance someone will click a link that i'll put on them uh i i gotta you know i gotta try it now twitter doesn't really result in a lot of traffic for most websites that that post their stuff to twitter that's yeah. that's a known fact facebook actually recently has done a lot to hurt this is out there in sort of the seo community yeah. facebook uh recently as of like may mass changed something where people are getting a, a lot less traffic from facebook mm -hmm. putting links on facebook than they used to and yep. facebook also put a warning message on external links for no apparent reason hmm. uh, i guess i guess one way to try to discourage people from clicking so like interesting you know you click on it I don't know if this happens all the time, but it seems to happen a lot. You you see something in Twitter, you click on the link, and then it says like, "Warning, you're leaving. You're leaving Facebook." Like mm -hmm. on Facebook, "Warning, you're leaving Facebook." Why do I need a warning? It's a link. I know that, but I think that's going to like, and then you got to click. You know, okay, I'm, I I want to leave. So I think those sorts of things are are meant are designed to keep people from leaving. Yeah. Well. I've seen a couple people. There might be people 
watching right now that have come through threads tonight. So yeah. it's because I posted it over there just to see what would happen. And I think I've seen some click throughs on it. So, but tomorrow, who knows? Because it's this weird, ever evolving platform. What it is today is not what it was on Friday. <laughs> so, I don't know. It's a weird moving target, and it's been a f- it's been a fun weekend of watching this weird thing happen. I'm I'm glad that I was in like super early. Um, you know, I'm no, you know, I'm not Aussie man who's. Uh, account ID, I think, is 219. But <laughs> uh, Netflix is 92, I think. But, you know, I'm a little up there. I like it. I'm in the 300,000s. <laughs> so I've been watching it kind of since the first hour. And it's been just a a wild ride watching as the... the I don't know. the The environment has changed how like what it is has changed over the last couple days. It's been a lot of fun. Um, if you're, if you're on threads, uh, plug hits live is on there. So, you know, check us out. We can chat over there. Uh, it's an interesting experience. If you're not there and you got an Instagram, at least give it a shot. Cause, uh, what do you got to lose? This week's DRM not included in F5 Live Refreshing Technology is proudly powered by Amazon Prime. We all know that you get free shipping on millions of products with Amazon Prime, but you get a whole lot more. Like free music with Amazon Prime Music, free TV, movies, and documentaries with Amazon Prime Video, free games and a free Twitch subscription to support the content creator of your choice with Amazon Prime Gaming, plus a whole lot more. We've got links to all of these features and some of our favorites, plus a 30-day free trial, all by going to f5live.tv slash prime. If you don't already have Prime, definitely go grab that free trial before uh, Prime Day this week, because uh, you're probably going to want it. Anyway, so um, another company, we just talked about Twitter. Uh, and the weird position they're in, another company that's been in a weird position lately has been Reddit. Uh, they've had a very wild 2023. Uh, so far, they were involved in a lawsuit that they weren't involved in, uh, in that the, um, the plaintiffs wanted Reddit to unmask some of their users for conversations they had about not anybody involved in the lawsuit. Reddit said no. They went to the court to try to compel. The court said no. Then they seemed to be inspired by uh, Elon Musk and Twitter's high fees for API access, and they tried to pull the same thing. A lot of communities went private in protest. Um, There have been all kinds of interesting things as a result of that. Uh, As of right now, nothing has changed over there. But seemingly... In a uh, a bit of circular karma, um, the company has now gotten itself involved in another lawsuit with the same plaintiffs, a semi-new defendant, um, 
and a familiar claim. So the first lawsuit was against a um, an ISP that kind of doesn't exist anymore called RCN. Uh, RCN is now owned and operated entirely by um, Astound Broadband. This the claim was that that they had not done enough to prevent piracy on the network um, that they knew was happening. They wanted Reddit to unmask some people from a piracy subreddit that had discussed a similar thing, but having nothing to do with uh, RCN. The new lawsuit, same plaintiffs, the defendant is now, um, I think, Grande, G-R-A-N-D-E. I'm going to assume that's being pronounced as Grande. Um, Another ISP that was acquired by by Astound Broadband, Uh, the lawsuit is exactly the same, and the request of Reddit is exactly the same. But I think it's happening in a new court in front of a new judge. So they're trying the exact same request that was already denied by a judge once, again, under the exact same circumstances. <laughs> a little bit like like banging your head against the wall and hoping you can build, open a hole. Uh, it, yeah. it seems like a, a lost cause already to me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean... Uh, they should give up. I mean, <laughs> it's just, I mean, I'm glad that Reddit is trying to defend the privacy of its, uh, of its readers. I mean, mm-hmm. considering how much trouble Reddit is in right now with its readers. Right. It, I mean, the CEO there is kind of taking a position to let them eat cake on, on other stuff. So I'm surprised they're continuing to do this, but I guess, mm-hmm. I guess, you know, it's the least thing that they can do besides who are they to help another business? Like, why should they, why should they help another, another business out? Fair enough. Right. Yeah. It's not, it's not their, their problem per se. Although I know a lot of companies would say, Hey, we'll turn that data over because we don't want to spend billable hours on a lawyer responding to this. Yeah. Um, cause even if you don't go into a full lawsuit or you win, it costs money. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. It's, it's all so strange. I, I feel a little bit like, like what they're up to with the API is almost identical to what we were just talking about with you're, you're about to leave the site. Do you mean to, uh, on Twitter? and or Facebook. Um, I I feel like it's a little similar. Facebook, not Twitter. Facebook. Okay. Where they like, they're trying to corral people and keep them internal. Um, and by having open API access, these third party UIs don't serve any of Reddit's ads or whatever the thing is. And so they feel that they're just losing, losing revenue to that and so they're trying to close that up i don't know if that's what it is it's just a weird feeling I, that i'm getting i no i mean that makes sense look i i get it right because we're all in that we're all in that boat right um 
I get why Reddit would want to do that because they need like they're providing a service, they're providing a community, mm -hmm. and if somebody is just using the API to get the data and they're not paying for it, mm -hmm. then that means that people are not incented to go to reddit.com where they see ads, where they are, you know, right. where they're monetized and or yeah, Reddit's, get it. Like, or Reddit's apps. Now in the past, Reddit didn't really have solid apps that worked right. at all. Um, and then they went and they, you know, they built apps, but these third parties are still better. That's why people right. want to use them. It's why people continue to use them. Um, if Reddit worked harder on their own app, it may not be a problem. If Reddit, you know, forced ad content into the API, which they could theoretically do, yeah, they might be able to to get around this. I don't know, it, right? But but I being mean, in this position, I think the only thing they can do is is throw elbows on every other topic. So right. I think that's why they, I think they have to fight this. They have to throw elbows in court here or they're going to absolutely lose all of the remaining trust of their, their reader base. Right. And just like, uh, and just, just like Twitter, it's not the technology that makes Reddit, right. that makes Reddit a success. It's the people. So annoy the people, annoy, annoy the users at your own risk. It's mm -hmm. not someone could make another reddit like yeah. very yeah. very 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 easily uh but the difficulty is getting people to come there yeah uh technologically speaking it's very easy it's very easy to do discord so yeah well yeah discord could do it uh yeah, there's some things that I'm on dis. It's interesting you say there's some things I'm on Discord for and some things I'm on Reddit for, mm -hmm. and yeah, and like the things that are a little bit more exclusive seem to be on Discord. Mm -hmm. uh, so like you know, I got invited to a like prompt injection Discord, where like the prompt oh, injection like researchers prompt injection researchers chat back and forth about like vulnerabilities that they found. Uh, so like, I mean, know, that sounds like a fun place to be. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like, like that's not on Reddit. Right. Right. Like that, that, you know, I mean, maybe it's partially because there's, I don't know if they want everybody in the world in there, but also, you know, there's constraints in Reddit. So, um, yeah, I was just say, so there's, there's private invite only subreddits. Uh, so I don't know, but yeah, they, they, there's people who use discord, but on the other hand, discord, like doesn't really work great on the web. They really want you to have the app. Yeah, they do. Um, which is annoying. I like, I don't like having all these apps for apps for things that could just be done through the web browser. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I don't know. I Especially have, since uh, I think discord is built in web tech. Yeah, I, just like teams, I mean, it works. It works in the web, but it's just it's a it's it just seems to be like I don't know. I also I also have a problem switching back and forth accounts. It's somehow I've signed up for some on one account, and some on another account, and I can't mm. easily like it seems it's make it really hard to switch accounts. Um, so yeah, 
anyway, um, so yeah, it's, it would be very easy for somebody to, just as it is with Twitter, very easy yeah. for somebody to recreate the, t- to recreate the technology. It's all about the people or, or therefore you the, shouldn't upset the people or repurpose the technology, which is what threads is, right? It's a repurposed Instagram. Right. Discord right. could repurpose Discord and, you know, essentially build a Reddit replacement probably in about three months. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because the back end is yeah, they probably could... similar, if not identical. Yeah, absolutely. So. Absolutely. So, so I think that's why uh, I think they have to be out there throwing elbows on this stuff because they've got to save face. They've. They have doubled down on this whole API thing. So I think the only thing they can do is try to save face elsewhere. And that's why they're they're still like publicly fighting this. They're not even privately fighting it. They're publicly fighting it. I think they have to do yeah. that. That's my my feeling. Yeah. So my guess is this is going to go exactly the same way. There's literally precedent on the books for it already. So unless unless one of these cases ends up in a higher court, I don't know that that the studios have any standing here for this. So my guess is by the time we're back together for our next show, this will be over. That's my feeling. And I hope that's the case yeah. because obviously in this case, Reddit is in the right. These people are not involved in this case. They were talking about something else and they're trying to be unmasked. No, that it seems, it seems like the craziest of requests. So hopefully Reddit wins once again on this one. Yep. Well, that is our show. Thank you to those of you who joined us live. There were a bunch of you tonight. We always appreciate that. Uh, If you're joining us live, you're always welcome to chat. Um, Whether you're on YouTube, Twitch, or Kick, we can see your uh, chats in the studio. So definitely give us your feedback during the show. If you're not able to join us live, that's okay as well. PluckitsLive.com slash subscribe. There you can see all of our shows and all the ways to watch, listen, and follow along. Almost all the ways to watch, listen, and follow along. We do not have a link to uh, Threads yet uh, or Kick anywhere. Um, We're... They're both new to us this week, so uh, they will be on there in uh, pretty short order, though. So, um, but yeah, uh, if you're again, if you're on Threads, look us up, Plug Hits Live. If you're on Kick, look us up, Plug Hits Live. Um, if you haven't checked out Kick, definitely do. It's basically Twitch, but not owned by Amazon. It's an interesting thing. I'm really interested. Somebody's funding them big because there are a couple of exclusive mixer style contracts that have gone out in the last like two weeks so it'll be interesting to see what happens over there so we're we're playing around join us over there if you want um but i think with that um that will do it for us for the week Uh, on behalf of the staff that's not here i'm scott and i'm abram and we'll see you back next time ciao